The opinions expressed in the following podcast are for general informational purposes only and are not intended to provide specific advice or recommendations for any individual or on any specific security or investment product. It is only intended to provide education and entertainment about the financial industry and the stock market. Enjoy. On this episode of Pennies Going In Raw, we welcome back Mr. Manziel for round two. Hey, yo, check one, two. This is Flavor Flav in the building for the Atlas crew. Atlas trading, what the fuck is up? They're traders, they're prodigies, and then there's legends. Rob, 4%, baby. No way. 4 fucking percent. Buy the fucking dip. Hey, who told me about IDEX? Like, dude, what the fuck? Like, someone just made, like, a lot more money than me on my trade. You find out life's this game of pennies. Did you check the portfolio? Pennies. 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 The margin for error is so small. I bet Warren Buffett never did that. And they out there making money right now off of penny stocks. The two guys is putting their work to make y'all rich. The pennies we need are everywhere around us. Something big. Pennies going in raw. Featuring Dan, Deity It Dips, and Hugh Honey. Produced by Vinny Strokes, baby. This episode is brought to you by Benzinga. Benzinga is our absolute favorite resource to use when we trade. We use it for news scanners. We use it for float checkers. We use it for stocks screening we use it for just about everything including chat rooms and and much much more uh but that's not all they have they have youtube as well hot stocks luke every single day has great guests on ranging from ripster to mia khalifa to gary to to all the best guests you need to hear from every single day all day long so make sure to go check that out that's youtube.com forward slash benzinga and if you look in the replies to this tweet you will see how to get a discount code for Benzinga Pro. Make sure to go sign up for Benzinga Pro right now. Welcome back to another episode of Pennies Going In Raw. Today is Sunday, June the 13th, and we have him back. It's it's Mr. Manziel. We we thought it was a fluke the first time. The $20,000 or $20 to $35,000 in like 2 weeks. Uh, I, I honestly, you know, there was that month span after that. We didn't hear from you. I just assumed you, you blew it up and, and you lost it all. But apparently that's not the yeah. case because you've been on quite a hot streak recently. <laughs> yeah. You know, we didn't want him back, but, uh, the people asked for it. So, and you know, we're, we're a podcast for the people. You guys got forced into it basically. Yeah. Yeah. But, um, yeah, no, I mean, I, You've been on quite a hot streak recently. Uh, the market's gotten a little better, and, and you're definitely taking advantage of it. We got the small chat. Thanks for coming on, obviously. Happy to be here. I, I guess getting straight to it. Where we left off last time, your account was hitting these all-time highs. I think it even hit like 60000 from $30 or something absurd. Like the next week after we recorded... Where did you go from there? Uh, obviously, the market hit a hit a little tough patch for us. Did you survive and thrive through there as well? Yeah, I think that uh, it was just like an adjustment for me. Like you know, there were obviously like dips. I I went all the way up to 100k after originally starting with the 17, uh, and then I think I, I hit like 140, and I sized up on like kind of my very first play, I think I went in with like $40,000 and took my first like serious loss, which was like 
28,000, something like that. And that was like a learning period where I just had to like kind of learn to resize and, you know, just understand how to play the market when it's slow and learn how to trade different things. And, but yeah, it's been an awesome adjustment and, you know, now the market's getting better again and it's awesome. You know, everybody had a great week, I think this week. So oh yeah, it's been good. Yeah. So I keep seeing my name tagged with yours as like good yeah, traders. Uh, but, but as you're tagged, it's usually you're dubbed as like the options guy. Is that's mostly what you trade for yeah. for everyone? Yeah. Yeah. My next question is going to be: Do you even buy commons anymore? Yeah. Uh, I think I would say the ratio is: I will play commons in after hours because I I, I do enjoy like because you can't buy options we- in after hours. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's like on the weekends I trade but- crypto, and if that's ever down, I go to the casino. <laughs> bro, yeah, bro. Bitcoin futures. Bitcoin futures have yeah. contracts. <laughs> Yeah, I would say the ratio though is still like 90% options, 10% commons. Like in my viewpoint, if you can learn how to read a chart and understand key levels on the stock for me, I haven't been in a situation yet really unless like the IV is just absolutely crazy where I would choose to play commons over the options. The thing with options is you just have to make sure that you're not chasing. If you chase options, and you know you don't wait for good entry points and, and wait for a good dip, then you can you know you can uh, get screwed pretty easily. So you just have to really really make sure that you're ready to you know buy those dips if you're going to trade options. So how much? Let me see. I'm trying to think because when I'm going into a position, I'll take thirty percent of my account sometimes, and and that'll be right. like sometimes you know I'll go I'll go in huge, and obviously with options it's higher risk and higher reward and i know that you play the closer to expiration options uh right yeah so with that being said do you take 20 percent of your account and throw it into or or can you kind of walk me through like like how you manage your risk a little bit yeah absolutely so i trade with a hundred thousand dollars uh like flat starting every week and then i pay myself everything over that right now which is something i kind of uh learned from zach when he originally went on with you guys and he was like yeah i trade with 50k and you know pay myself everything over that so i've kind of utilized that system just on a you know double the size so my like starter is usually five percent of my account size so on like a monday say i'll have like i'll start with like a five thousand dollar position if the market's good right so like right now my starter is about five thousand dollars if i want to go full size on a position it'll be anywhere from eight to ten percent of my account but usually I'm never going in with more than 10% in any one play. It's actually interesting that somehow you misheard uh, what Zach said and just developed a strategy <laughs> out of it. Because um, if I recall correctly, maybe you are right. I think oh, think of that, yeah. Everything over $50,000 that he made is what he would withdraw. Um, but Yeah, that's the same thing I was saying. Is oh, everything, okay. Oh, okay. everything over 100K, I'll pay myself every week, and then I'll reset the account to 100K at the start of next Monday. Yeah, I think I think um, the difference is is that you're talking about your account balance, right? Right. Yeah. So with Zach, yeah, it was yeah. everything that he, like if he made fifty two thousand that day, he would yeah. Then okay, he would gotcha. take out two thousand if he made forty nine thousand that day. What strategy you're using is uh, it's what Gary does, yeah. I believe. I think he has he just has two million in his account and he just lets that ride and then everything over just goes straight to the Wells yeah. Fargo. Yeah, and, exactly. And I called him crazy last year for it. Uh, I called him crazy for it. I was like, dude, like max growth, bro. <laughs> and 
because he would do like 50,000, then he did 100, then 250. And I was like, why? Like, he could be at like 10 million. Uh, but, you know, it seems to be working out great for him. I uh, So that's if, awesome. If anything goes tits up, dude, you've got money in the bank and you exactly. can exactly. restart. Yeah, I keep like $1,000. Yeah. Yeah, for me, that's the biggest thing is if you just are trying, like every single time I've tried to trade with more than that amount, every time I've tried to trade with 150, 200, I've always just felt like I'm sizing way too big into things. And I, you know, my trading gets affected in the way that I'm like my conviction. So I think it's just uh, for my personality, it's just what works best right now. Yeah, yeah that, that makes, makes sense. sense. Yeah, I guess my first question is, do you have multiple strategies or is it one strategy? And based off those multiple strategies, how much do the Greeks affect your strategies? Yeah. So, um, you know, I'll definitely look at Theta uh, and I'll look at the IV, but truthfully, I'm primarily a day trader. So I'm primarily in these positions for an hour to three or four hours, like max, you know what I mean? So I'm in them for like a short term, like one day move type of deal, right? Usually on news or strong pre-market volume or theme. So I like, you know, with like, if you're trading Tesla options, right, like you'll get destroyed, you know, just by holding them, right? Because the the theta decay will just kill you, especially if you're swinging them. That's why I I never really do that. Um, So for me, it's, it's something I look at, but it's not like of, you know, peak importance, because I'm just not in the positions long enough for it to like, really have a, you know, profound effect on my size or profits. That makes sense. So you're basically just making sure that you're not buying it at like a steep, steep, steep premium. And like a 500%. Yeah. If the IV is like 450%, obviously I'm not going to take the position. Right. But that makes sense. Okay. So kind of mentioning the Greeks, uh, one thing, you know, you see mentioned a lot with options on Twitter is a gamma squeeze. Um, what, what exactly kind of is a gamma squeeze? Yeah, so a gamma squeeze is when there is such a large volume of contracts purchased on a particular uh, security, right? That So when options contracts are purchased, market makers have to buy shares in order to cover the like underlying. Because, you know, like the, the theoretical point of options is for them, for you to be able to exercise that option to buy the shares at a cheaper price, right? Like that's the like, underlying meaning people just trade them for the premium but yeah it's like scalping on crack right (laughs) so if you buy yeah exactly i mean it's kind of like scalping penny stocks in a way in in terms of like the percentages in which they're moving right but you're just doing it on you know mid to large cap stocks which is primarily what i play right so when you have such a large volume of options contracts that are purchased on a particular strike for that security, it'll force, you know, usually market makers to have to buy shares in order to cover those underlying, um, like, you know, if they were to be exercised, right? So they have to buy shares to cover those contracts. Yeah. Uh, so essentially, yeah. And if I could just step in, I, I think like the easiest way for most people to think about it is think about like a short squeeze on a stock, how basically shorts have to cover by rolling over each other. So by us buying the stock, a lot of the stock, you know, can make the stock squeeze, which then in turn makes, creates a short squeeze, which makes shorts have to buy the stock kind of similar to a gamma squeeze where if so many options are bought uh, and it just starts to really like the volume just kicks up, then that in turn 
makes you know makes market makers have to buy the stock which only moves the stock higher so uh, i think the 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 point there though is that it has to be like a breaking point kind of thing right and if it doesn't hit that breaking point then just like a short squeeze it won't happen right and you'll see that a lot on lower float stocks too so you know a stock like kern is one that like you know they get gamma squeeze easier because the float is smaller so a lot of options contracts being purchased will force the security up in price a lot easier. It's actually funny that you mentioned that. I've Kern up on my screen and Kern just ticked up like five cents as you as you talked about Kern. Look at that. Um, it's like a little mental connection we have. Yeah, like <laughs> literally like it just moved like a percent and a half as you talked about it. Basically, I think we're wondering like how you find your stocks. Are you just looking at ones with high volume? Uh, I mean, one thing I've noticed that you do really well at is you find sectors and you you find the ones just lagging behind the rest. And are you just looking at those premiums and seeing which ones are cheaper than the others? So for me, I try to stick with the stocks that I have an advantage with. Like trading is all about having your own advantage, right? And so I try to stick with the stocks that I know how they move, right? So like CCIV, FSR, Solo, right? Like all in those EV sector are stocks that I just know how they move, right? So I know their personality really well. And so like, for example, when FSR runs, it's usually because NEO is running, right? And Solo always lags behind FSR, right? So I know that I can, you know, if I take a trade on FSR and it's working really well, I'll go and get a starter on Solo because I know that Solo is going to follow behind it. So for me, I am definitely a sector trader, right? Like I'm always looking for the theme, where the sector volume is, right? And, you know, I will play news on things, but for me, one of the biggest things is just playing the stocks that I really know well. I try to stick to like the same basket of 20 stocks. I don't go like searching for new, like large cap stocks or new small cap stocks to play every day. I try to stick with the ones I know well and see where the volume's at. Cause usually, you know, in this type of market, one of the themes will be running, whether it's marijuana or EV or clean energy or 3D printing, right? Like those are just the hot themes. So there's usually volume. So I just try to stick with the ones I know well. And then, you know, I usually know the key levels pretty much by heart. So I'll pick my strikes based on that. So you have like four or five sectors with around four or five uh, stocks in each of them and you just rotate those? Yeah. That's the best way to put it is I just have, like I said, you know, I, I have a watch list for every sector that I play, uh, which is, you know, Bitcoin, marijuana, EV, clean energy, 3D printing, right? uh, psychedelics, right? Like now, like with mind meta names like that. So I just try to keep those names on my watch list. And, and you know, I usually can remember from the last time those stocks ran what runs with what. And I would say that's my biggest probably advantage is my memory is good. So I'll you know, be able to say, oh, I remember that, you know, once Tilray runs, Kern's going to follow. Yeah, do you trade the main one or do you just trade the followers? No, absolutely. Uh, so I will trade the main one if I feel like I've, I've gotten in early enough. Because the one thing that I hate more than anything is chasing. I'm never going to chase the leader unless I'm in it already, right? So unless I've, like, today, for example, I traded FSR. But I got a great entry first thing in the morning before Neo really ran. So I was in it. But if I had missed a, you know, 50 or a you know, 50 cent or a dollar move on FSR, I'm not going to chase it up. Right. Um, so I'll always play the laggard, but if I get a good entry, then I'm going to play it and I'll immediately start taking my starters on the stocks that I know that are going to move with it. So another thing I, 
always see, you know, you're you're awfully bull game. Do you do puts very often? I've only really seen you do it if you just think something is so high and you're expecting an offering. Uh, but is there every right. time you just playing the chart and saying, you know, I just I just think this will drop naturally? No, absolutely. Uh, I made the majority of my money in probably I want to say it was like April and May off of puts. I was almost exclusively shorting. I've only transitioned into being bullish again probably in the last like four weeks. Uh, but for you know when Bitcoin, I remember when Coinbase was listing. That was probably my biggest short ever was Riot from the sixty dollar level that morning that Coinbase listed. Wow. I took a massive short position in puts, and I think we cleared four hundred percent on those in one day. Um, so you know, I definitely am. I have no bias. I, I love being bullish because it's more fun on Twitter, and you know, it's it's like everybody loves to be a bull. But there are times where you have to be like, okay, we are in a market that is there's a there's money to be made on a downside move. So, um, when you say take a short position, you mean you just bought puts. You're not saying you're actually yeah short. yeah okay, yeah, okay, yeah okay okay right yeah all right I'll short shares if I feel like something's gonna fall in after hours, but primarily I'm gonna stick with puts yeah do you hold a lot of these over and i know you say swinging these in the next week a lot of times uh but i mean yeah how often are you do you ever find yourself like oh this is a div or it's down like 25 percent? i think you know how often do you find yourself holding them you know till the next day because there's a lot of times where you know i buy calls and i sell some of them and then i realize damn i i can't even sell the last ones because they're worthless oh yeah so for me I will. I like to swing things because I think there. The, that is the point of maximum upside. If you can buy something that everybody else kind of hates right now, uh, like so. For example, two weeks ago, uh, you know, we bought a like in the Patreon group. We took a swing in Tilray at fourteen, right? And the next week, it it was the week it ripped to seventeen or eighteen, I believe. Right as the AMC stuff was starting, and you know we were in early, which made the move you know that much more profitable, and there was no stress about trying to chase the move upwards. So sometimes you have to you know deal with a twenty five percent dip if you swing something over the weekend on Monday. But the theory and the thesis is that you know the plan is going to work, and 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 they're going to you know obviously give you that maximum upside on the trade you're looking for. So I personally do like to swing things when the market is improving, which it is right now. How many times have you had like options go to zero? You you're just waiting for them to expire and then they explode. I'm only saying this because this has happened to me (laughs) maybe two or three times. Uh, One was Tilray, and they were worthless, and then they ended up going thousands of percent. And then the next one was UWMC. Whenever it decided it'd be a meme stock (laughs) and call it Rocket. Yeah, that was the uh, that was actually my biggest trade ever, and it was a very similar case where I actually bought the calls while they were worthless, and they were worthless throughout that day. You know, they were at the five cent bid, and I was just like constantly loading them, and it was like I remember myself, uh, Showy trades, and uh, Willie Meat Sauce were just like, we're gonna buy these because Rocket is just absolutely ripping, and we felt like we were like, okay, this is a heavily shorted, you know, mortgage company. Like, there's no way they don't send it. And yeah, I think we both were in the same position. And overnight, UWMC ripped like 35%. And I woke up to like 50K off of a $4,000 position. It was just absolutely insane. So I've had had it happen once before. It was awesome. Yeah, no, there's nothing better. Because when it does go, I mean, they just, <laughs> they go, go. Um, yeah, so fast. What um What do you think are some of the 
differences that you have to do in your daily strategy than like a normal trader, maybe some pros and cons of it. Obviously, a pro could be you make a shit ton more like percentage wise. But at the same time, you're not if you're in a position of like volatile options, you can't step away from your computer at all. Yeah. So, I mean, there's obviously going to be pros and cons to it. But for me, you just have to decide whether you love it or not. I think that comes down to that plain and simple. If you love trading options, right, which is a true like you have to go through the like, I love it. I make a ton of money phase and the this sucks. You know, this is so much harder than trading stocks. Like maybe I should go back to trading whatever. But if you truly develop a love for it, like I have, then you love, you know, the fact that it requires your full attention and it's extremely stimulating and it, and it requires maximum concentration and focus at all time, which is, I think why I love it so much. So I have no problem with the fact that they're volatile and the fact that I have to keep my eyes peeled at all times. It's something I like about it. Options trading is definitely not the safest way of trading by any means, probably the riskiest. Um, what do you think you have to say to the people that are just like degenerate options guy, could lose it all, could blow it up at any time? How, what makes your strategy of, of doing this make it so able to do it long term? Yeah, so for me, I think that it's a complete misnomer that, you know, when I first started trading, Everybody was like, don't ever touch options. It's gambling, right? Like it, it's never going to work. Like people blow up their entire, you know, accounts with this. Stay away. Truthfully, I hate that that was the way that I was introduced to options trading because swinging options that are risky right, is like, and if you have no clue what you're doing is, is the worst strategy in, in terms of trading. But if you know how to buy at support and buy when stocks are, you know, like nobody wants them, they're just sitting on a little support level, you know, and you're like, oh, like, this is a great time. It, you just, it is like very risky if you have no idea what you're doing and you chase. If you chase, then you're going to lose big. But if you know how to buy dips and buy at support, Option trading can be extremely profitable and it can be an extremely rewarding type of trading. And you just have to be able to control your risk. You have to decide, you know, what you're willing to lose on a play. For me, it's usually 20% on a $5,000 position. So $1,000. Um, sometimes I'll expand my risk if there's a key level that I'm waiting for, but it's just about controlling your risk. Make sure you have day trades. If you're trading on a margin account and you don't have $25,000, I would highly suggest that you stop that. Get a cash account, learn how to day trade, and you know don't don't get in uh, stupid positions. How far out are you willing to go on some of these uh, strike dates? I know you're you're usually um, that week or the next week, but you ever you know yeah these are cheap back then. I mean these are the five dollar calls for two weeks from now are the exact same amount as the ones for January. So I mean if if this swing is actually a good swing, yeah, this is a good purchase potentially yeah no we've had uh so in the i gave a swing on ai which was a a beaten down um tech stock it was had highs of 183 back in uh march and in the patreon group we actually bought calls at 53 dollars for october and we bought the 80 dollars strike price because we knew earnings was three weeks away so i took those calls they were cheap uh it was a longer term swing so like something i'll put in a 
in my account that is just, I have like a TD Ameritrade account, which I, I normally only trade stocks in, but if I have a long-term option swing, you don't want to look I'm at just it like, okay, I don't yeah, even, yeah. yeah, I don't even need to look at it. Right. And I, and I, I think we let it sit for two weeks and it went 138% or something like that. And then we did the same thing on DDD a few weeks ago. So I've definitely uh, had some very profitable long-term swings and it's, it's nice too, because there are some people that follow the account that are, you know, f- they work full time and they don't want to have to worry about the extremely volatile, like weekly or, you know, next week expiration dates. So I'll give those long-term swings when I feel like the market is stable enough to get into them. What, um, do you ever use any like technicals for, for your options? Like, is there anything used beside from like, can you be technical with options in a sense? Like this always hits those, uh, support of 25 cents per, like, is that a thing? Yeah, no, absolutely. That's a. I mean, so I don't think there would be support on the premiums, but but you'll notice the premiums. So, for example, like a trade I'm in right now is MindMed, right? And and whenever MindMed hits four, the premiums will hit thirty, which is you know just the level that they're at for the five dollar calls. And if it it hasn't been able to break four yet, and when it does, like that premium wall technically will break. But yeah, I mean the premiums support and resistance is going to align with the stock support and resistance, right? So you have to think of it in that sense that it's like, okay, right? Like, you know, there's support here, resistance here. So yeah, I mean, if you're in a trade long enough, if it's like a swing, you'll be like, okay, I know the premiums are a buy at like 20 cents and I know that they're a sell at like 35 or whatever, right? So you'll, it can help you. You can place a bid and wait for somebody to fill you, right? So it can, it can be helpful to identify the support and resistance on the premiums for sure. All right, well, I guess doing a little transition to more about you, less about your trades, uh, just to, so everyone can get to know you a little better. How did you kind of get started with options? Like, were you trading uh, commons at first? Was there a certain yeah. trade that got you into options? or And, and was there someone <laughs> that you followed? Because it is something that I would not recommend going into, you know, just blindly. Yes. Yeah, no. So I actually started, I mean, if you guys watched the first interview, you know this, but I started, I'm totally like a COVID meme trader, right? I entered the market with my stimulus check of $1,200. I put it into UAVS at, uh, I want to say I first bought it at 63 cents and then 83 cents when put out the DD on Twitter. I had just gotten into Fintwit. I want to say had 7,000 followers. Zach had like... (laughs) Oh, and Zach had uh, maybe 28,000 and Q uh, put out the DD on UAVS and I put my entire stimulus check in it. And of course it went to, you know, five or whatever. Yeah. And I sold that. I, I think, think, like I think five was the top tick. I think it top ticked at five. Yeah, and honestly. it like halted down yeah. twice. <laughs> yeah. But I, we actually sold, like me and my friends were in it and we sold the morning of, I think we sold it like 370 and four. I actually looked at the trade the other day. But it was still like a massive win. I ended up having like six grand in my account. Very next trade, I went all in on MBIS at 30 cents. That one went to like a dollar twenty. And before I knew it, big, right, the COVID market guy. was insane. <laughs> yeah, right. And I had, you know, at that time I think it was a Microsoft rumor, but uh, you know, and before I knew it, I had 10 grand in my account and I was still trading commons. The COVID market slowed down in the summer. I made a shit ton of money on KTOV. Uh, and then right as I was about to get over PDT, the market started to suck. We got into August. 
Um, I got absolutely reamed on the ONTX trade. I was super heavy in it. Uh, and I think I lost like $7,000 and I was like, this sucks, you know? <laughs> uh, and then I went super heavy into SPAQ, um, when it, before it was Fisker, uh, and you know, we all know what happened with that. Just got super like over retail crowded. Um, and I ended up starting that account and I took the whole thing is people are like, it's insane that you went to 17 to 35 K, but for the very first trade was I put $40 that I had in an account, uh, on Webull the two free stocks into ACB calls on a Thursday weeklies. I bought them. They were literally almost worthless, which will touch on your story of buying worthless options and ACB ripped 20% that day. And then another 50% overnight. And those calls went 7,000% and it turned, uh, seven or like, I want to say like $22 into around 1700. And from that point on, I kind of fell in love. I got really interested in it and kept trading and, you know, and that was the, that was the intro to options. And it was well, Hugh, poetic in a sense, I guess. Hugh says, uh, you're welcome for UAVS and KTOV. He, uh, he actually invented those stocks. So, um, <laughs> knew he was the CEO of both. Yeah. It's just low key. Did you ever like have a time where you were just like, I, I can't do this. Like the loss was too big. And then you had to like come up with your strategy of only taking a 20% loss. Yeah. So, um, the, 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 you know, the trade I always look back at is I was, um, I took that account from 17 to 140 K. Uh, and then I made a, sh like a ton of money on laser when it turned from the SPAC to the like actual stock. And cause Zach was all over it and I made a ton of money on those calls. And I was like, wow. So desktop metal as their merger, it was TRNE at the time. And this was when the stocks were ripping after the merge, after the ticker change, if they were good companies. Right. And I went in with like $60,000 in calls and I held full. I, I was up a hundred percent. I was almost at $200,000 in my account. I was up a hundred percent and I was like, no, I'm going to hold full. Cause I just, you know, I didn't have the wherewithal yet to really know. And I went into the next day uh, and DM dropped like 16%. And the trade went negative on me. I ended up losing like $28,000, right? Like, I was like, wow, I can never trade like this ever again, right? And, you know, and I learned my lessons with a couple other trades after that. But it just really made me identify that you have to look left on the chart before you get into any trade, especially if you're going to hold it longer than, you know, a couple hours. You have to look left. You know, how much is this stock up in the last five days? How much is this stock up on the one hour, right? Like you have to look at those things because if you, if you chase options, you're going to get screwed. Like, you know, which I've mentioned, but you just have to be really aware of, of, of where you're buying. So obviously you're, you're a young dude. Now you're, you're making bank off of options. Did you go to college? Did you have a plan for after college? Like without, without options? Like what is your life without oh, yeah. options? <laughs> no, absolutely. I, uh, I graduated four-year degree. You know, I had a plan actually to go in surgical device sales after college. I was going to do like the super like normal basic route, right? And, you know, in uh, the, you know, the pandemic happened truthfully. And I was going to use that money that I made in pharma sales to go to law school. I had done like my first two rounds of interviews. I had the job all lined up. And then I was like, I think one day I made, 
you know, when I first started my account, I made like $3,000 in a day. And this company wanted to pay me 70 grand a year, like plus benefits, which was great. Like they were awesome. I'm not like, yeah, no, that's, that's a you know, shitty company, but <laughs> a really good, right, great job. But, uh, yeah. I realized that I was like, I can make three grand a day doing this. There's no way that I'm ever going to work a real job. Right. But you know, when the pandemic ended was when I got, re- I had to get really, really serious about it if I wanted to do it full time. And I just made a decision that this was what I was going to focus on. You know, I gave up on like going out with my friends and, and, you know, going on trips and stuff like that in order to focus fully on trading and, you know, doing it full time. And it, it's definitely paid off. Okay. Hell yeah. yeah I'll fucking say. <laughs> was that a good was that was he, that a good response yeah, i don't know he, like, he don't just know. he just goes yeah i'll fucking say <laughs> i i mean that's a listen 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 that's a great job like they're most like the average american salary after college is about forty five thousand dollars. yeah that's um, that's a lot better than and, the average job yeah so like that's really, no, it, it is and it's you know, I, and you know, like this week, I, I think I did like 60 K, which is awesome. And it's like, you know, that's what I was going to make in a year working for that company. So, and that's just off of a hundred K in an account, which is insane. Yeah. Yeah. No. And you know, and I, I would say that my average week is probably like 30 to 50, you know, this week was good. Um, but yeah, no, I mean, I still enjoy tra- trading with the same amount. If I bumped it up and tried to trade with 250 or 300 or half a million. Yeah, I think this is interesting because this is the episode right after our position sizing episode. And now we're, you know, you don't have to edit your position size. Uh, did you already talk about red days and handling red days? Oh, yeah. Um, what do you what do you kind of do to handle your red days? And are there some that are just like so big you have to take a step back? Because I mean, enough, enough poor <laughs> options trades, you can you can really screw yourself. Um, you know, thankfully, handle my red days me you just have to cut bad trades don't stay in losers right but there are days like you know yesterday was a really frustrating day for me like you know i it seemed like nothing i touched wanted to go and and this was after three days of you know the hottest i had been you know i think we took 500 percent on sofi or something ridiculous like that the day before and i had had a my third best day ever did like 30 grand a day and then you know, the, uh, the next day it was extremely frustrating. I think I was down like four or five grand yesterday. And then today I had an awesome bounce back day. So I think it's just about cutting, uh, losing trades really don't hold them. Don't like keep staring at it. First off, it's like a mental thing is just not looking at bad trades, uh, and, and letting yourself stick around and stick in that mindset. You just got to get on to the next and, you know, just make sure you have a stop loss. I think that's the biggest thing, right? Is like, um, you really got to make sure you have a stop loss and you got to make sure that you're playing the theme correctly, not chasing. Don't chase shit. Yeah. Um, I guess my very last one is going to be you're you're making calls now. Uh, do you feel like any responsibility if, you know, some of these will drop? You're, you just said you have, you're very clear. 20% is your stop loss. How um, would you recommend the same to them? Obviously, we're a big trade your plan podcast, but um, for anyone like following your options trade, what would you think is the best besides just waiting for that dip entry? No, yeah, absolutely. For me, you know, like I will hold trades beyond 20% if I'm like have extreme conviction about the trade, right? Or if I, I like know that there's a catalyst coming, right? Like something like that, I will, I will hold a trade. 
like that if i if i know that there's a catalyst coming right um as far as feeling responsibility i definitely feel responsibility if i make a, a call and it sucks i mean it's like you know i you know i made a bad call luckily i, ha- I don't think i've made too too many of those uh i think you know a lot of people have been absolutely killing it um you know the support and you know from the gamma gang as a whole has been overwhelming so i i like i think a lot of people are really killing it i've gotten a lot of you know you're changing my life messages and i'm put a down payment on a house and things like that so you know i think just make sure that you have a a set goal every week and and you know if a trade's gonna keep you from hitting that you know then cut it you know you have to decide every person's risk is different right that's the biggest thing is every person's personality is different their risk is different. So they really need to decide what fits their personality and it can't just be what fits mine. So. All right. Hell yeah. Well, if Hugh could, you know, be heard, I'm sure he would say we've really enjoyed this and thank you so much for coming on, uh, you know, and, and dealing with all these technical issues we're having, but yeah, man, really, really appreciate it. Yeah, is there anything course, that he's guys. watching Thank next week? Thank you guys week? for having me. Uh, he, he wants to know if there's anything you're watching for next week. What like, sector are you looking like for? Like some expiring like uh, Wednesday that I can just – for like a cent that I can just load like a billion. Personally, I think the weed sector isn't done yet. I think that there's a massive like – I think there's this big like boiling pot forming. And I think the weed sector is going to have a massive, massive run very soon. I know a lot of the, you know, like the higher up like congressmen have been uh, – you know, doing their filings and, it, you know, they've been buying Tilray and, and SNDL and things like that. So I think there is a major, uh, like nationwide federal legalization coming very soon in the next week or two, maybe, you know, month or two, but I think there's a massive weed bull run coming very soon, which I will be very excited about. Did you just say you think regulations coming within the next week or two? He wants to know if you really think regulations coming within the next week or two. Or deregulation? De- deregulation, excuse me. I think I think there's they're gonna have it like the point where like there's a vote on the floor in the next two weeks. Yeah, I think it's really close. I think Schumer's gonna pull that trigger really soon. I I did realize why I had one more question. I know you said earlier your memory is super good, uh, and you like to trade on kind of the personality of the option, knowing it hits thirty cents, it goes fifty cents, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. You. How, like, do you pick these strikes? Is your memory just so damn good you remember, like, 400 strikes per, like, option? Like, or... No, for me, it's... I pick the strike that I feel like is the target on the key level for a chart. Okay. So, like, when I would when I used to trade Riot all the time, I'd be like, okay, I know Riot has a gap to fill to 36. So, if it's, like, a Tuesday, and I think that it's going to get a major move up, I'll take, like, the $36 call. Sometimes I have a system where I'll go 10% out of the money in a week out. Like, you know, so like if it's a $30 stock, I'll take the $33 calls for a week out because I know that that's like the sweet spot, right? So if you take in the money calls, they're less volatile, but your upside is much like much less because out of the money calls just move more because there's like at the time less of a chance that it's going to be in the money, right? So. I feel like that's the sweet spot between too far out of the money to where it's, you know, spready and, and way too volatile to it's like in that sweet spot between it's in the money and it's, you know, out of the money. And it's like that perfect little sweet spot where it's like, okay, like these still move really well, but they're not like insanely volatile. All right. Gotcha. Um, again, thank you so much for coming on. Really appreciate it. And, uh, Keep, guys. keep killing it. Shout out to the Gamma Thanks, Gang. Guys. And uh, have a good weekend. Yes, man. sir. <laughs>
Thank you guys for having me. Have a fantastic weekend, guys. Take it easy. Gamma gang. Thanks,